0: welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. It's really good to be here, and I have a, a message on my heart today. I really wanted to, to share, you know, it's a message about faith and, and stepping out in faith, and uh, I just believe that the Holy Spirit will, will, will speak to us today will minister to your hearts. I believe that, that, that the Holy Spirit will reveal steps of faith that you need to take in your, in your own life and I'm just coming off of the, the mission field actually about a week and a half ago I was in Tanzania and Africa and I was in the, a little city called Arusha where we uh, to give you a background on what we also do aside from the church world we 're a part of a, a mission. me and my wife, Victoria are part of a, a missionary organization it 's called SOS Adventure. Some of you have heard of it. some of you have not, but basically we 're a ministry that takes the gospel of Jesus to places uh, around the world that have not heard the gospel of Jesus. We take it to the unreached people groups that have not heard the gospel you know in, in the Bible, Jesus says make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son the holy spirit that 's basically the pillar of our ministry, that's what we're doing in Africa and South Asia. Uh, We have the opportunity to preach to the people that have not heard about Jesus. That's that's what we're doing. And we were doing that last month and uh, had the opportunity to be in Arusha, Tanzania. We had what we call a signs and wonders festival where we put up a, a giant stage and basically have a Jesus party in the middle of a field and thousands of people come and we preached the gospel of Jesus to them, and thousands came, thousands gave their lives to Jesus, thousands were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We had hundreds of people being healed of blindness, deafness, crippled people walking. Uh, just we left an inc- The Holy Spirit left an incredible impact in the city. But uh, one, one in particular story that, I, that I, I was meditating on a while after, it was really, really hit me, was a uh, We have a little station to the right of our stage, um, or the left of our stage, where we want to be able to test the authenticity of our healings, you know, we believe that Jesus heals the sick, and he opens the eyes of the blind, and and, and, and all of those things, but when we are going to bring someone onto the stage, you know, to share that, and it increases faith, when people can see this person came in, and they were deaf, but now they can hear, we can test it on the stage in front of the crowd, and it kind of elevates the faith but we want to make sure that we're bringing authentic healings onto the stage we don't want to fudge anything or make anything up because that's not biblical so we want to be able to test it we have a little testing station on there to to test what we call like the big five miracles just things you can see you know that they're blind and now they can see it's something that's easy to test on a stage in front of thousands of people we have a, a little testing area and then we bring them over to this area and they, you know, they tell us what they couldn't do before and what they can do now. And I was walking around the festival field one night and uh, I happened to just wander over to that little section, just seeing what was going on and checking up on some things. And uh, someone just runs over and hands me an iPhone and says, take a picture of the of these two. And it's a, a little girl and, a, and an old African mama who's, who's sitting next to each other. And, and I'm like, well, you know, wondering what happened, what took place, you know. I'm assuming something awesome took place. I just... I'm wondering, because the little girl's maybe eight or nine years old, you know, and a, an older woman from, from Tanzania. And they told me that this woman was blind in, in her eyes. She couldn't see anything. And this little girl prayed for her in the name of Jesus. And then she was able to see. And this story just, you know, it's amazing to hear things like that. It's amazing to hear that, that Jesus can, can heal the, the blind, that Jesus can work miracles. But what I found even more striking was that this was just an eight or nine year old girl who stepped out in faith, and Jesus moved through her hands. You know, that's an amazing thing. It doesn't really matter who you are or or, or how old you are how experienced are you in, in how long have you been a Christian, how well do you know the Bible. It's not about any of those things because this little girl, I'm sure, doesn't have the deepest of doctrine and the deepest of theology, and she hasn't been to Bible school. She's barely through elementary school, and she's laying hands on the sick, and they're being healed. And, I, and I'm amazed by this. But at the same time, this type of story also can, it can shake your faith a little bit in a, in, a, in a negative way, too. To where you start thinking, man, like, does this little girl have more faith than I do as an adult? You know, I went to Bible school. I'm, I'm 27 years old. I've been following Jesus for six, seven years now. And who, who is, why would God use this little girl? He should be using me. We think these things sometimes, we hear awesome stories of faith, you know, when we hear someone stepped out in faith and it worked for them, sometimes we can almost feel jealous. We can almost start to feel like, ah, God is on their life. There is a power on their life. You know why do they have more faith than me? I barely have faith for my own relationships. I barely have faith for my own household. You know, for my own marriage, I don't have faith that God is going to heal my body. But this little girl has faith to heal the, the blind. You know what is wrong with my faith? And this, these types of things can go far in our minds if we let them so far that we start to think things that are not even really theological. We know that they're not true. We don't want to say them out loud, but we start to think things like. Does God love that that person more than he loves me? And we know that foundationally in the Bible and all that we we know the truth that that's not true. But we start to think, the enemy gets on in our minds, we start to think, does God care about them more than he cares about me? He does miracles for them, but I don't get to see this in my own life. He does special things for them, and I don't get to see this in my own life. I'm still stuck in the same spot, but he puts favor and grace on this person's life. We start to think, why, well, you know, does God care about them more? Does he, does he want to use them more for some reason? Am I not worthy? Am I too dirty? You know, and the Bible answers these types of things. Today I wanted to read out of Genesis chapter 11, uh, verse 31 to 32. And before I read this one, I just want to give you a little bit of the, the biblical background on what's happening here. For those who aren't familiar with the story of Abraham, we call him the the father of many nations. And basically that's a fancy way of saying that. Abraham's responded to the call of God you know to 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 bear a promised son and the son's name would be Isaac and through the Bible says through his seed that he would bless all nations on earth and you know basically what that means is that through the promised son Isaac and then again another generation and then down another generation down another generation actually his bloodline goes all the way to Jesus Christ himself in the flesh. And we can see that through Jesus now, we are in Arusha, Tanzania, we are in Africa, and these places preaching the name of Jesus, and they are receiving the blessing of Abraham. When we preach the gospel to the unreached people, we preach the gospel places that have not heard of Jesus, and we preach to the lost, they are actually receiving the blessing of Abraham. So what's written in Genesis 12 when it says Abraham would be the father of many nations and that through his seed many nations will be blessed, that's what that means. When a, when a people group receives the gospel of Jesus, they receive that blessing of Abraham's seed. So it's a fancy way of saying that's the, what we mean when we say that Abraham was the father of many nations. But there is a story that really intrigued me when I was reading Genesis 11, which comes just before Abraham becomes the father of many nations. And actually, before Abram stepped out in faith and was called to do what he did, his whole family was actually on the way to the land of Canaan. And now let me read through the scripture here. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there, the days of Haran or two hundred and five years and Dara and Terah died in Haran. I always like to call this personally the most disappointing verse in the Bible. That seems, you know, a little depressing, and I promise that the message gets more positive and better. But I like to call Genesis 1131 31 31-32, one of the most disappointing chapters in the Bible. Because let me explain to you what, what the land of Canaan is is what we we maybe people you don't go to church often, you don't read the Bible often, but we've all kind of heard this in America, the promised land. We even use that as you know metaphors to, you know, Buffalo Owlwings. It's the promised land. So but we know what that that's saying. The promised land was actually the land of Canaan was the promised land. And this land was said the Bible says it was flowing with milk and honey. And that's an old school way basically saying this land had everything that you needed in this time period, this culture, this was the place to be. The land of Canaan had it all. The land of Canaan had the resources. It had, you know, fresh grass for the cows to eat. It had the freshest of, cleanest of rivers, honey coming from the trees. Everything that you could need was in the land of Canaan. And if you take a look at this scripture closely now, we see that the whole family, not just Abram, not just the one who becomes the father of many nations, but the whole family is actually on the way to the promised land. But then something happens. It says, but when they came to Haran, not the promised land, I don't know what's in Haran, but it says they settled there. For whatever reason, Terra settles in Haran, which is not the promised land. He settles just short of where God has promised that there will be victory. God has promised that there will be prosperity, a land that he has no idea, but he's on, the, on his way there. We don't know why they're on their way there. We don't get much of this story from Genesis 11 here. But what we do get is that the whole family is on the way to the promised land. A whole family is on to, the, on to the way to the land that is flowing with milk and honey. And all of a sudden they stop. They settled there, and look what happens in the next verse. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Terah died in Haran. You know, I I can't help but think how many many of our dreams die in Haran. How many of the things that God promises will come upon our lives, and things and victories that he has put in our, our hearts, and dreams and visions he has given us, callings he has given us, how many of them die in Haran? just short of the promised land, just short of where Jesus wants you to be, you settle, you get stuck, and you stop. But we know in Genesis 12, chapter 4, when Abraham is called now to pick up where the family left off, look what happens here. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I, I bold and highlighted those words, so Abram went, for a reason. These three words are so holy. So Abram went. Do you know the, the course of human history changed because of those three words? Because of those three words, we can now preach Jesus in Africa, we can preach it in India, we can preach it in Pittsburgh, and the eyes of the blind can open, and the legs of the crippled can walk, and we know that the dead can raise, and all of the things that Jesus did can happen, all because lives can be changed, addictions can be broken, depression can be lifted, the gospel can be received by people in faith, all of these, because of these three words right here, so Abram went. And became the father of many nations, the carrier of the promise. And all he had to do was, all right, God, whatever you want me to do, let's go. I'm ready. I'll go with you. I don't know what's in the land of Canaan. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like, but I trust you, and I'm going. I'm moving forward. You know, going back to that story with the, with the... The little girl and the, and, the, and the African woman, when you think about little kids, they don't really think about what they're doing before they do it. And in regular life, that can be messy. Kids don't think before they act. But in faith, there's something really beautiful about that. They don't think before they act. They just hear, you know, that little girl, you think that she was thinking the thoughts that we think. You know, what, what happens if I pray for this woman and nothing happens? What happens if I put my hands on her eyes and we're both left disappointed? What if I don't have the faith to do it? What if Jesus doesn't want to use me because of the sin I did yesterday? I told a lie. Oh, you know, I'm guilty today. Maybe I can't can't do this miracle like Jesus. But she just believed what was written in the Bible, what her dad had taught her. She just believed in what she had heard and then she went for it. She just went for it. Stepped out in faith. She's not thinking of all of these things like we sometimes think about them. Sometimes we think our way out of the promised land. Sometimes we think our way out of the miracle because we don't just believe the word that Jesus is speaking to us. We don't just believe in the word of God and then step out of the boat onto the water. We don't want to believe that we can walk on water with Jesus. We don't want to believe that we can do the things that Jesus did. or We don't want to believe that God wants the best for us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give you the breakthrough you've been praying for. But we don't really believe in the Word of God so much that we will blindly obey the Word of God like this little girl did, like Abraham did. Abraham didn't know what was in the future, what lie ahead of him. He didn't really know all the journey would take, how hard the journey would be. He didn't really know all of the obstacles that were in front of him. But so Abram went anyway. He went anyway. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to blindly obey the word of God, to blindly obey whatever it is. You know, maybe you're here today and you feel like you've had a dream to start a business, but you feel like this it's a silly concept. No one will believe in this, you know. I believe it's from God, but I don't know. I don't have the resources, the skills. I don't have what it takes to, to do this. You know, I, I can't do it, you know. And we're stopping just short of the promised land. Maybe today, you know, you've been trying to have a, a baby. And, you, you know, you're thinking it's not going to work. This isn't going to, you know, something is wrong. It's not working. But, but go for it. You know, God is saying go for it. Go for it. What, what can go wrong? I, I, I was ministering to someone last week who, who was thinking about taking a step of faith. They were thinking about investing in, in, in real estate. And she's been reading her books on it. And she came up to me. And she wanted prayer for this, and, and, you know, she doesn't know, she's never been involved in real estate before, but she feels like God has told her that this is a way she can prosper, and she can be financially set up for the future. And so she's been studying it hard, but there's times where she's been feeling like, kind of feeling like an idiot, like, you know, what if I invest money into something and it doesn't work? What if I look stupid? And I always feel for that, because it's a scary thing to to do something you've never done. It's a scary thing to invest in something or, or to do something based off of not having a lot of knowledge on it. But if God said to do it, if God gave you the vision, if God gave you the grace, and you truly believe that, even if you're wrong, and I told her this, I said, even if it's not from God, but you believe it's from God, do it. Too many Christians have talked to me this way in my life. They, they, they will say even these holy words like, wait on the Lord. Be still and just wait on the Lord. But I have a bone to pick with people that are using that scripture to do nothing. Because the Greek word for wait on the Lord actually is a Greek word, one word, that means to expect God. It means to hope for God. Be still actually means to have hope. To wait on God means to expect God. And I can't expect God to do anything unless I do something with Him. So to wait on the Lord means wait in expectation. To wait in expectation. But there is always a step to be taken. So when I believe there is a dream and vision from God in my heart, I am not, I, I, some people are so scared that is it the will of God to do this? You know, what, what if I'm wrong? I step out and everything crumbles. I don't believe that that is how we are supposed to lead. I believe that that's condemnation. People have talked to me that way. And I don't allow those things to sink into my heart because that's not the word of God. To hear the word of God and even if you're wrong, because the Bible also says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if I hear something from I believe it's from God and I step out and I try it to start a business or to do something scary, I crumble, I mess up, I lose money. You know what whatever happens, I look like an idiot. I know that Jesus's grace can make up for the wrong step, and I know that even though I I might step in the wrong direction, it is so much easier for the Holy Spirit to steer me in the right direction when I'm moving, when I'm going, when I'm doing something. But if I'm just standing still my whole life and waiting on the call of God my whole life doing nothing with it, doing nothing with my faith, how can the Holy Spirit steer me in any direction? But even if I'm stepping in the wrong direction, the Holy Spirit can turn me to the right one. It's okay to make mistakes with faith. It's okay. I believe God is not looking down on us when we make the wrong step. I believe he's proud that we tried. And then he steers us in the right direction. And it all starts with that step. It all starts with the action. How many of you guys have been skydiving before? Nobody in this room? It's... It's something I've always wanted to do. I haven't either, so don't feel bad. But I really, really want to go skydiving. But I think of that day when I'm jumping out of the plane, about to jump out of the plane. I, I'm afraid of heights. I am. But I want to jump out of a plane. I want to push myself in this way. I think it would be such a freeing feeling falling through the sky. I don't know. I think it would be awesome. But I think, you know, I guess you have to be strapped to the guy, you know, for the first time to make you go with a professional. That's sound. I'm, I'm all about that. You know, you've never jumped out of a plane through the sky before. I like to be with a dude that knows, has done it at least once or twice. That's cool. But they strap you there. And I can picture this when it happens. I'm going to be just asking every second, you know, is everything good? Are we good back there? Is this good? Are we good? Yeah. Is, if I pull this thing, this is going to do it. And, you know, him just kind of telling me, I'm going to pull it. I'm going to do everything. You don't have to worry about it. You're just going to, you know, if this is going to work, though. You've done this before. Is the plane always rocking this much? You know, what? what's going to happen when we jump out? You know, do you know when to pull it out? Have you, how many times have you done this? What's your track record? Have you seen anyone fail? You know, there's going to be a lot of questions based on, out of fear, but I can tell you one thing that's going to have to take place at some point in this journey, I'm going to have to jump out of the plane or else I didn't, I didn't really go skydiving. I just went sky riding and that's just called riding in an airplane. How many of you guys have ever ridden in an airplane before? See the numbers go way up there because one of those things is extraordinarily ordinary but one of those things is vastly extraordinary. And to do the extraordinary takes a little bit more faith. To do the extraordinary takes a step that actually scares you a little bit more. Some of you are thinking, I get pretty scared when I'm flying in an airplane. That is a step of faith for me. But to jump out of a plane, that takes a little bit more faith, I think we would all agree, than just riding in the airplane. But to jump out of it in the mid air takes an extraordinary step. You know, and I I truly believe this, that I want to pump this into you today, if I can get this through to you, is that Encounter Church, we don't want to be sky riders, we want to be skydivers. We want to be risk takers, we want to be those who go for it, those who push the boundaries, those who try, even though it's scary, we jump. Because we don't want to be sky riders. We don't want to just be a passenger on the airplane of life, just riding through it. We want to be the ones that jump and take the adventure. Because I truly believe this today. I truly believe I don't want to just sound like I'm an adventurist and, and an excursion artist. You know, I, I don't want to sound like that's that's what it is because I'm a missionary. I come here and I and, and I'm just my life is an excursion and an adventure, and everything is exciting about this. No, I truly believe this today. It's not about being a missionary, whether you're a pastor or a pastor, or an electrician, life with Jesus Christ should be exciting and it should be an adventure and it should be something you want to wake up in the morning and do, not something that you have to check off your list. It should be something that you want to do, something that you are pumped and filled with joy because you get to do it. It's not just because I go to the ends of the earth. I wake up and I've had moments here in this city in Pittsburgh where people have wept, people have received the Holy Spirit in front of me, people have received healing, received Jesus in new life every day right here in this city and that to me is an adventure if I can lead someone to the Lord in my city disciple someone and you know open the Bible with someone who's from Iran and to sit over over a coffee with someone that's from India has been worshiping 300 million different gods and get to tell him about the God that can change his life that to me is exciting and I didn't even leave the proximity of my house to do it that is an adventure and it all starts with just going for it Just share your faith with this person. Lay your hands upon this person. Start that business that you've always wanted. Go ahead, you know, push for for, for that adoption, even though it's expensive. The process is lengthy. I don't know what your step of faith might be. And And it's always going to be scary because without risk, there is no faith. There's always a little bit of risk. There's a lot of risk in jumping out of a plane. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to say what it is. There's a lot of risk. But, you know, it takes faith to experience the extraordinary. Faith is more than just something that you're feeling in the, in, the, in the pit of your stomach. You know, a lot of people, you know, in, especially in the secular world, we, we, we still use the word faith. But we really don't, don't know what we're putting faith in. Faith is just something when you feel like you can accomplish the goal, then you do it. You feel like you're capable of it, then you do it. To me, that's not faith. To me, that's just doing what you think you can do. Good for you. But that's not really faith. Faith is actually doing it when you feel like you can't. Faith is doing it when you don't feel it. And you can feel faith in your heart. I feel faith for some things more than other things. I do feel faith. And I think God wants us to feel faithful sometimes. He wants us to know what faith feels like. Faith, you know, you can feel it, but it's not a feeling. Are you with me? Does that make sense? You can feel faith, but to rely on it to just being a feeling. Because you will not always feel it. You will not always feel faith in in, in your stomach moving like butterflies. You'll not always feel it. But it's something that you just have to go for when you don't feel it. I think some of the biggest miracles happen when when you're stepping out and you feel like this is going to be a mess. But you do it anyway. You step out anyway. And something extraordinary takes place. You know, before I was married, I was struggling with with an anxiety disorder. And and these things are real. These things are I feel for people that have been through these types of things, panic attacks and depression or anxiety, things that that you can't control. And you have no control over it. And I was suffering. Suffering is, is, is the best word for it. Because it was suffering. You know, the world, people will tell you that it's not a real thing. And you're not going through it. And no, no one cares. But you, so you feel also alone at the same time. But I was going through this thing. And, and my wife was my girlfriend at the time. So she can attest for how bad this thing was getting. Every day, it was panic attack after panic attack. And then in between that, it was worrying about the next panic attack. It was worrying about the next state of anxiety. It was all day long. So now I'm living my life shaking and trembling you know, all day long. And I'm sick and to the point of feeling it in my body. And I'm scared to leave the house. I'm scared to go anywhere. I'm scared to, to do all of these things. And the time came where I wanted to ask Victoria to marry me. And I wanted to, to, this, to start my life with her. But I felt this in my, my heart that I, I don't want to do it until Jesus heals me. And I believe that Jesus wanted to heal me. I believe that Jesus wanted to set me free from this. I believe that he could. I believe that he wanted to. I just didn't know when. I didn't know when. And I said to myself, well, then I can't. I don't want to ask her to marry me until this thing is gone. Because this is how I was thinking. I'm thinking if I feel this way now... Imagine my wedding day being a complete mess because i 'm stuck having a panic attack somewhere. What should be the most beautiful day of my life is messed up because of an anxiety attack and i 'm sweating and i 'm panicking because everything makes me anxious. So how could I go ahead and do that that 's that's, that's crazy, and I felt like this and. And Jesus spoke to me in this season. And I I love that I went through this season because I believe it made me a better man of God, a better preacher. I believe it it pushed me because Jesus gave me a verse that changed everything in John 4, 50 through 51. And let me explain to you what's happening here is that there there was a man who was a Roman official in the city. And he was bringing his son who, or he, his son was at home, sick and in bed, dying. And, and he runs up to, to Jesus saying, Jesus, my son is at home. He is dying. He is sick. You know, Jesus, I need you to come and lay your hands upon him. I have heard the work that you've been doing in Jerusalem. I've heard about the miracles that happen by the power of your hands. And, and I need you to come and lay hands upon my boy because he's at home and he's going to die soon. And Jesus says something in return that that changed my life in chapter 4, verse 50. We're starting in 48. So it says, So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. He invites him to, to his house. And Jesus responds like this. Jesus said to him, Go. Your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him. They met him in the middle before he even arrived back to his house. As he's going back to his house, to his sick and dying child, after this meeting with Jesus, his servants meet him halfway and told him that his son was recovering. Let me tell you why this, this verse changed my life. Because now, think about it. Put yourself in this, this, this Roman soldier's shoes. His child is at home dying. His boy, his, his everything. He's in a bed dying. And here's the one that has the, the power to do something about it. Has the power to change the circumstance. He knows that Jesus can heal him. He knows that Jesus can change the future of his son. And now Jesus is standing here before him saying, just turn around and go back home your son will be okay. Try to put yourself in that man's shoes. I'm thinking, I'm grabbing Jesus by the wrist saying, no, that's not good enough. You need to come. My son is going to die. I can't take any chances. I can't just take your word for it. Just come. Come with me and lay hands on him and then I know. And there would be some faith in that, right? But look how much faith he has. Jesus says, go. And this is the verse right here. There's one sentence here that changed everything for me. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He believed what was the word of God. And here, what's written in here is no different than what Jesus was speaking. It's the word of God written on pages, the word of God. And I got it into my spirit. If I believe the word of God. But I can't just believe the word of God. What ha- look at what happens after. He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And then he went on his way. And the Holy Spirit said to me this. I knew then it was time. I could ask my girlfriend to marry me. Even though I don't feel better yet. Even though I don't feel healed yet. Even though I'm still struggling with these panic attacks. This anxiety and this disorder. I'm going to do it anyway. And as I, I, I did it. I asked her to marry me, and it was beautiful, and I continued to live, and we lived, you know, as throughout our engaged life, and we're planning our wedding, and all of these things I dreaded would be a nightmare. I'm starting to see, wow, wait a minute, I'm not having anxiety anymore, I haven't had a panic attack in a while, as I was walking, as I was going on my way just like the Roman soldier, as I was going on my way, believing the word that Jesus spoke. I declared this scripture over my life so many times, but it never got old because there was such power in it. I will believe the word that you spoke, Jesus, and then I will go on my way. I will keep going on my way. I will keep moving. And I kept declaring that by the wounds of Jesus, I have been healed. I know I'm feeling ah, I feel a little off today. Something's wrong today. But instead of meditating on this right, now, I will look to Jesus and I will keep moving and I will keep moving. Sometimes I'm limping, sometimes it's hurting, but I'm moving. And as I continue to move in faith today, I am set free from those things. I have been set free from what felt like had no end to it, but I've been set free And I haven't had a panic attack since that that year. I have been moving forward in faith, believing that the enemy can't hold me. If what was done on the cross held any relevance in my life, if it held any power at all, and I believe what was done on that cross, then I know that anxiety, depression, isolation, whatever it is cannot hold me. It does not have the power. It does not have the authority. But Jesus took the nails through his hands and said, it is finished. And he left all of those things not only my sin but he left my anxiety my depression my panic attacks he left he left blindness and crippledness every handicap he left every depression every demon power he left nailed to that cross so why shall i go through life with my head down defeated by something that has already been defeated and i moved on my way i walked when i didn't feel it but a lot of times we get stuck. I could have made a different choice and I could have stayed there and stayed there with my head down, not married my girlfriend. I could have allowed this thing to dictate my entire future, but I didn't. I believed the word that Jesus spoke. We can stand to our feet. And, uh, Dana, if you want to come up, we'll close now. I believe today that there are steps of faith in every one of your lives right now. It might not be the same. Mine is very specific this is a specific step of faith you might not be dating someone ready to marry that you know that's a very specific step i had to take but the holy spirit revealed to me a very specific step and i listened to him as hard as it was as comfortable as it was the fruit is there now and i've only benefited i can promise you today and i'm praying today that the holy spirit would right now start to minister to you right now we'll start to speak to you let's close our eyes right now and start to focus on jesus now let's not Let's not think just yet. We're, we're coming to a close. I haven't preached very long. We're just... Let's let's give the Holy Spirit an opportunity right here to minister to us now because the Holy Spirit can minister much more powerfully than I can. The Holy Spirit can can do things in your life and in your heart right now that I can't do with a microphone in my hands. But Jesus right now wants to show you a step of faith, something that that you know you have to do it. It's scary. It's frightening. You're thinking, I don't have what it takes to do it. I don't have the faith to do it. But Jesus says, yes, you do. And I want the Holy Spirit to start to to, to reveal those steps to you right now. What is the step of faith that you need to take to receive your breakthrough, to receive your miracle, to receive what it is you've been waiting for?